Welcome back to Pull Up with Miles and Owen. Episode 14. We've done 14 episodes now, Owen, which is dope. Um, and we've got another of our favorites on with us today. We can't wait to introduce her and her awesome story to y'all. Um, her work has been featured on FIBA, The Undefeated, Anscape, ESPN, W Slam, Sports Illustrated, anywhere that you're reading coverage, basically. Um, she's collaborated with brands such as Nike, Under Armour, Visa, Wilson, and others. And on top of that, she's done some great work with the players' associations on both the NBA and WNBA sides. She's also, from my experience, the absolute nicest person in the W Media Circle. So great ideas. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for pulling up with us today. Oh, thank you guys for having me and just the kind words. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And we talked about this a little bit before we hit record, but you're working on a really fascinating new project called Test Run on Snapchat. So you're a journalist and you're a storyteller, a producer and a tastemaker. And you were telling us a little bit about this, but I couldn't do it justice. So just in your words, what what is this new project like for you? Well, the new project has been really fun. It's basically following me around because I'm your everyday athlete. I play basketball. I play tennis. I am new to pickleball, um, but I love movement. I love to be outside. I like to be playing sports. It's just been a big part of my whole life. So with this show where we're testing um, different products and gear and sneakers from every brand you could think of um, and seeing how they feel and actually giving real and honest feedback. So I'm not being paid by any of these companies um, to give you the feedback, um, but it's just been, it's been really cool because I do have a lot of folks that come to me often and say, hey, how did you like those Lamella ones? How do you like the, the new Sabrina shoe that you just got last week in the mail? You know, so people come to me, men and women, for reviews on what I like. Um, I have people even ask me, hey, where did you get that dress, that tennis dress? Or hey, where did you get those basketball shorts? I get these questions all the time. So I felt like there was, you know, a need, um, but also my my goal is to inspire folks, inspire them to move, inspire them to take up space in all of these sports, especially brown and black um, men and women. Because um, every time I go out to play tennis or every time I go out to play golf, which are dominantly you know white sports historically, folks always ask me, can I go with you? I've never played tennis, but can you show me something? Can you show me how to hit the you know, the golf club. And I'm just like, I'm not a pro, but I can teach you probably a little bit. And I think just folks getting out there, especially who look like me, um, is, is good for the sport, good for any sport. I just absolutely adore how you're able to, to marry your passions with also with make well also making all this stuff accessible. I'm, I'm part of Oh man, I, I'm too old for this. So I don't know what that Instagram group that you have is called where you're, you're like circle thing where like, I get to see you unbox those shoes. I get to see you with some of these new products and um, to have that access point in a way that doesn't feel yeah like an ad or doesn't feel um, at all just like put on, I think is just really, really awesome. Yeah. And I tell folks, even brands, I say, I'm not going to wear anything I don't like. So every, that's why people come to me in general. They come to my page to see maybe what I'm wearing or see you know what I'm up to, but I'm never gonna do something I don't wanna do and I'm never gonna wear something I don't like. So everything that you see me wearing, um, I like in some capacity or, I mean, I'm testing it out. So I might not like it. I might get blisters, but I'm gonna tell you I'm getting blisters. You know, So I'm very true to Grady, true to my brand. And that's why people like me. So I'm not gonna go away from that. Growing up in in New York City, um, when, when I was in high school, we played basketball and uh, Stefan Marbury gave out the Starberries. Those came out at the time. His And they were this $20 sneaker, I think it was. Like it was yeah. supposed to be a super, <laughs> it was supposed to be a super accessible sneaker. Um, and he gave it to all the PSAL kids and we thought it was great. I think a bunch of my teammates ended up being on like New York one or something like that, trying these out. And we wore them for a game and at halftime, everybody had blisters and we all had to change our sneakers. Oh. We were like, we, we love the idea. We'll maybe rock them, just wear them around school or something like that. But yeah. So that's why you, that's why you test drive everything. Absolutely. But honestly, even the $160 sneakers I've had times in the past where I've gotten blisters. So I need to know if I have to double up with socks on a shoe or not. So I think that, um, 
you know, kind of testing the shoe, at least for myself, can definitely be helpful to others as they pick and choose, because at the end of the day, we're the consumers, right? Like, yes, you have the athlete who's promoting it, but who's who are you having buy these sneakers? It's, it's us. It's us who plays these sports. Like, it's more of us than them, than the pros. But they're the ones, you know, kind of giving that pro, um, that pro feedback, that pro insight, you know, for us, which is great. But sometimes it doesn't work for our feet. You know, so I'm kind of really trying to give, you know, that consumer, that kind of everyday person uh, view of, of what works. This is such an exciting idea. I'm getting excited just hearing you talk about this. And I'm a huge tennis fan. Uh, and I think it's so true and important what you're saying, because uh, we are seeing now as the U.S. Open approaches, you know, ticket sales skyrocketing. And this is what is possible when you make the sport more inclusive and comfortable for people and accessible for people. So I think that, that uh, like breaking down those walls that have kind of been in these sports like golf and tennis uh, is so huge, especially for us in this, you know, media space. And I think something that Miles and I admire so much about your work is how you're able to meld these different things, right? Like you're talking about, you know, almost like test driving a pair of sneakers or this like very practical approach to reviewing something, but also making it content in a way that is really organic um, and, and useful uh, and exciting to to consumers. So I'm curious, like where this idea originated for you. Um, so it, the show was in partnership with Made for the W. And basically, we kind of just put our heads together and we were just like, wait, Grady, you play all these sports. You always get product from different brands. Why aren't we, you know, you kind of already do your, um, you do, you do like reviews and test runs already, but let's actually put it in a place. Let's produce it. Let's get a, a videographer. Let's get an editor, you know, to kind of, to marry it all together. So, um, yeah, we kind of were just like, why wouldn't we do this? You know, let's just follow you. But um, so we've done five episodes so far and the next seven, we're going to incorporate more storytelling. So, you know, whether it's incorporating an athlete or um, somebody who plays a sport, I want to have more conversation on, on the show and kind of bring in that that element of maybe interviewing and just just having conversation with somebody else who is in the sport in some capacity, whether it's a coach, a trainer, an athlete. Um, so we're just, you know, getting better and better with every episode, I would say. But honestly, like the idea was just to follow me. That's awesome. Well, shout out to Made for the W, who, who we love. Um, and that serves as a perfect transition, honestly, because I wanted to highlight um, an exceptional piece that you just wrote for W Slam about our hometown, New York Liberty, right here. And I think the thing that I love most about this piece is that you could have gone the kind of more traditional route of just talking about the basketball and like talking to the players, which you did super well. But you start by connecting with these season ticket holders and kind of using that to give folks a sense of where we are at in this moment in New York basketball history and New York ba women's basketball history. Uh, the first season ticket holder who who you highlight, I won't give away too much because you guys got to go get the magazine. Miles is also in the magazine. A bunch of our friends are. Um, it's awesome. But the first season ticket holder you talk to, uh, I believe his name is Michael, and, and he flies in for every game. He literally travels for every game to show up and then, you know, boards a flight right back home after the game is over. So I'm curious what it is about this moment in the WNBA's arc and this moment in kind of New York basketball history that led you to to center these season ticket holders and their experiences. Well, I think, you know, every season ticket holder, no matter where you sit, you're an investor in the league. You are very important to the league's success, the league's growth. And I just I've actually uh, cultivated relationships with each person that I've that I included. So they've become special to me in different ways. Um, Michael, for example, you know, he had a really cool outfit and I love style. So when I first saw him at the first at the home opener, I was just like, hey, I love your outfit. And we were outside waiting to get in. And he was just like, thank you so much. I'm new here. And I was like, oh. I kind of felt like you're you're kind of in my home now, let me show you around. So I said, hey, let me bring you to the Crown Club. Let me show you where the bathroom is. Um, let me show you where your seat is. 
you know, so I kind of took him under my wing, even though he's much older than me um, and just showed him around. And he he thanked me. And we we've had an incredible relationship since so much so that he um, he gave me his his ticket to sit next to him at the all star game. And he was just like, this is this is just because you were good to me. So those are the kinds of relationships that I really um, intend to build with people who who I come across. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't cost you anything to be nice to people. You know, I just felt like, listen, you know, I know this space and you're, you're new. You're not new to this space, but you're new to the New York space. Let me make sure your introduction and you feel welcomed here. So I kind of just brought him around and we've been really cool ever since. And that's my I have a similar relationship with everybody else who's you know involved in the piece. And um, so, yeah, I just I felt like I wanted to include um, the fans because they're investors, you know, and, and I'm one of them. I'm, I'm not only a media person, I'm a fan too. I invest in the league. I pay for my ticket, um, for the games, uh, because I, <laughs> I, I kind of want to, that's where I want to sit. Right. You know, um, I could sit with media, but, um, it just made more sense for me in my life. And just, I wanted to be next to one of my good friends. So I bought a, a, t- a ticket next to her. Um, so I'm, I'm an investor also in the league, um, in addition to a media person. So I don't know. I just, I felt like it was a good opportunity to highlight them because, you know, they're the sixth man, they're the pulse, you know, of the Liberty. And I knew how special of a season it was. And it's a big investment to, to spend money now. Like the WNBA prices are going up and up and up. So people are really sacrificing something, you know, to, to be here, you know, Michael, he has to fly. So he, he's he, if he's not sac- he's sacrificing money and time, you know, it takes time for him to get to games. So I was just like, we need to shed light on this. And who better than, than me? Because I have actual like personal relationships with, with these people, you know, who I have grown to really love and care about. A couple of weeks back, Angela Ruggiero from Sports Innovation Lab was on Kate Fagan's podcast. Kate Fagan, friend of the podcast. And uh, they were talking to her about uh, about just that that kind of conversation about investment in the league and how when you look at all of the advanced metrics, women sports fans on average are spending more money. They are invested in the growth of the leagues because they are passionate about everything that these leagues stand for, about uh, about just kind of lifting up these women in the space and and to especially black and brown women or queer women. And there's so much going on there that like, you know, I've been a lifelong Yankees fan and I, I love that team and, and I've, I've got a lot of connection to it. But when I started covering the W, it kind of ruined other sports for me because I was like, I could only care to a certain point where I was, you know, I didn't want to be regurgitating box scores and, and, and just talking about whatever's happening on the field because I wasn't comfortable then aligning myself with whatever was going on with those leagues off the field. And I think that's what the W, the difference of the W has been for me and going to games and seeing Planned Parenthood booths or seeing all of the money that the Liberty won for Callan Lord when they won the Commissioner's Cup last week. Those those kinds of um, just societal initiatives that really align, make it feel like in sharing these stories and telling these stories and doing whatever small part I can to kind of grow this game, it, it just feels like much more, much more satisfying. It feels more just real. It feels like something I'm happy to put my name next to in a way that even though I still live and die with, you know, the worst Yankees team since 1995, like I, it kind of ends when the game ends there. Whereas the W has like become obviously a large part of, of my lifestyle, of all of our lifestyles. Uh, but I just, I learned something about you just now. I thought that you were working with the Liberty uh, with that new influencer program, um, which I wanted to talk to you about, but like maybe you still have some observations about it because I thought it's been a really cool thing. Yeah, so I'm I'm still a part of it. So I have access to sit at, in the row whenever I, I don't want to use my courtside tickets. Mm-hmm. But so far, I mean, they've brought in different influencers who may not necessarily always talk WNBA, but um, they've been great. You know what I mean? I think they've diversified the folks who are, you know, talking about the Liberty, which is really cool. I mean, think about all the people who have come to the Liberty Games this season. It's, I mean, from last year to this year, night and day. And last year, there were a lot of incredible people that came too. But 
I just feel like every game there's somebody new or somebody who I didn't think of who would be here. I'm just like, oh, shoot, you know what? It's a, it's a, it's a surprise every game. But um, the influencer program, I think, is great. I don't know if any other team is doing it, but um, it's it's been great so far. They allow you access um, similar to media access, but um, obviously you're not necessarily with it with a particular outlet like standard media every mm-hmm. game like you guys are you know with an, an outlet so um i mean i don't have anything bad to say about it it's you know the first year so you know there it, it might change it might look a little different next year not really sure but um i'd be curious to know what it's been like for them and has it been a success on their end um but i know that i've tried to push content knowing that i'm still a part of that program i've try to push as much content as I could this season um, and just amplify, you know, that's what it's all about is amplifying the New York Liberty and how incredible of a season it's been. And I mean, they could win a championship. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's never happened in, in New York Liberty history. And, and just to fill people in a little bit on what this influencer program is, which yes, it's in the first year. Um, I wanted to shout out the Liberty organization for this because I think it's a really progressive thing to do in as media is shifting in 2023, where so many, so many uh, businesses, so many leagues in this space can kind of be kind of cookie cutter and stale, right? Where it's like in terms of how they approach coverage, where it could be like I was talking about, right? The, The box scores the next day, make sure you got something in the newspaper, just grab some quotes. A lot of the stuff that Owen and I do, and that's kind of like our lane and we're happy. And although we are now expanding to a podcast and we're doing some more, uh, outside of just that kind of the, the, you know, capital J journalism that we maybe we came up doing. Um, but just understanding that growing the sport doesn't have to happen in just those ways, but to appeal to as many different demos as, as possible. That's, that's the, that's the approach I think that the league is going for and finding different avenues of content, finding social media strategy, bringing in people that might, like you said, might not be just W people, but from outside of the W space that now is getting their introduction. And and that's a great entry point for other people that wouldn't have necessarily known the W so well. Um, But I did want to highlight just because of your, you're a person who does have, a foot in both the W and the NBA camps, we've seen Mikhail Bridges as a constant at Liberty Games. And it's just awesome to see that consistent support from the NBA side that doesn't feel performative, like it kind of has at times in the past. So in working with both leagues, have you noticed a shift in somehow, especially the younger NBA hoopers are embracing the W? Oh, yeah. Um, They're excited to be there. I mean, when I talked to Mikhail, I want to say like, a month and a half ago, he was like, I've been to every game, you know, right now he's, you know, playing away, but, um, so he can't be here. Cause he told me he left, I think August 1st, um, for training camp, but he was just like, I love it. He's, and like, you can genuinely tell that the players are having fun at the games. I see them laughing. I mean, cause some of them actually sit in my row sometimes and sit like three chairs away from me. So like, you know, I say hello to them and they just, I see them laughing, joking and, and everything and talking to other season ticket holders too. So honestly, like I really, I really love that we have that support, especially in Brooklyn. I'm not sure what any other market is like, but I feel like at every Liberty game, there's, there are Brooklyn Nets players. And I think that that's an incredible thing. I want to continue to see more of it um, because it is important that they, that the women know that they have that support from their male counterparts. Mm-hmm. And vice versa, right? We got to see when John Quill Jones signed back in, mm-hmm. in January or February. I don't know. It's a long time ago. Well, late in the NBA season, we got to see her sitting courtside at, at net games. And we've seen some Liberty players. You know, We've seen players, Sabrina, throughout the first pitch. So there are these kind of cross-sport um, or cross-league, at least, activations that are going on. But just to see that support go both ways is, is just really great. And to see those relationships grow because... Yeah, you'll then see the players, uh, Sab has gone over after the game to give Mikhail a hug, or you see him and Asia going back and forth on social or whatever it is. The The relationships definitely read as, as genuine, which is yeah. awesome. And even I see Nets coaching staff at games all the time, all the time. I have a friend um, 
who goes to almost every game and he's on the, the coaching staff. So I'm just like, it's not just the players, it's the coaching staff that are showing up too, which to me says a lot, you know what I mean? And I saw, I saw players even last season when we didn't have Brianna Stewart, you know, when we didn't have this, this caliber of a team last year, they were showing up last year too. You know, I saw Ben Simmons at many games. Um, I saw a lot of folks. So I just, I want to continue to see, you know, that partnership, especially with the Liberty and the Brooklyn Nets. I think it's it's a great partnership so far of them just working together. Obviously, they're under the same group, but to see them support each other in the ways that they do right now, I think it's the beautiful thing. So we, we talked about at the top how you are a hooper. So we got to talk a little bit about the actual basketball here. And we've, we're coming off a very fun, exciting stretch where New York and Las Vegas uh, the two best teams in the league have have played each other a bunch recently. We had New York capture the Commissioner's Cup title last week, and then we had the Aces two nights later enact their revenge. Chelsea Gray triple double, ridiculous, amazing. Um, and I, I think since you went, you know, sort of big picture, and so did Miles in your your great W Slam pieces. I think I want to start big picture and get your take on how this budding rivalry between New York and Vegas might help grow the league, or just what is the impact of these two teams in terms of of the the growth arc of the W. I mean, it's huge. Think about before the season even started, how everybody was saying Aces Liberty Finals. Excuse me, before the season? When I don't know when that has ever happened, at least in the past five years. I don't remember anybody being like, this is going to be the finals matchup. Like, And people were certain on it, like betting on it. You know what I mean? To have that excitement at the, like before preseason is, I think, unheard of in the past five years, especially. So... Um, that when people started to talk about it early on and like before the season started, I said, Oh, this is going to be a, this is going to be a crazy season. And I think their rivalry um, and a few different storylines, a few people getting chippy here and there, shoes getting stolen. Like (laughs) I don't condone it. I don't condone, you know, people fighting or people stealing, but you can't tell me that it's not making people talk. We are huge fans of Jocelyn Willoughby on this podcast. And so I was so happy when she shot that three. I'm like, not a big fan of unwritten rules. So I'm like, you know, I'm all for respect and all this stuff. But I'm like, hit that three, Jocelyn. We were so excited. And then conversely, you know, when Chelsea Gray, you know, had pride and wanted to fire back. I was like, that's awesome, too. Like, this is great. You know, let's not let's not seal steal Sabrina's insoles. But like we love the we love the uh we love the back and forth and i love that kind of like little extra oomph because the basketball is already like as good as could possibly be and then to just add that extra element is like this is great well can i also say that i understand the spirit of the unwritten rules and something that in recent years has become a thing is like people dribbling out and taking a turnover and i think that that's become a weird unwritten rule too so like joss shot it instead of taking a turnover, it's not like she was dribbling out the clock, which is like, now you have multiple unwritten rules coming to a head where like, (laughs) I understand it's still a blowout, but like it wasn't her running in and taking a, a, an uncontested layup, which I think is a little bit different, but either way, I'm all here for the spiciness and whatever, whatever these teams need to put a little chip on their shoulders for the next matchup. I'm all here for, um, because yeah, we, it hasn't just been New York and Vegas. I mean, Atlanta and Vegas last week, when, when Coach T went at, at Kelsey at the end of the game and that got caught on a hot mic, like there's a lot of that going on. We've seen, yeah, some some players fighting on court, which again, I don't condone, but it feels like the, you know, we're, we're about to hit the playoffs and that, that competitive that competitive edge is really starting to, to come out and we're in for a great, great postseason, I think. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here a little bit. I've got a I've got a two parter, you know, in talking about the basketball because I think. Vegas wins the championship last year and then they come into the season. They've got the same core and they just pick, pick up right where they left off. And it's like not even pick up right where they left off, like arguably more dominant, just steamrolling teams. New York is incorporating, a, you know, a lot of different pieces. Some of them have played overseas together, but it was going to, it was always naturally going to take a little more time to gel. And since the all-star break, it's gelling. Like John Quell is healthy and just looking dominant, looking like her MVP self. Uh, Benajah Laney, 
is way more involved, which is just so beautiful to see. And, and, and they, they need to, to have her be an integral part, both offensively and defensively. If, if they want to get where they want to go, Stewie's doing Stewie things. Sabrina is, is on pace to break the three point record. So like New York is clicking right now. So my two part question is firstly, what have you seen noticed from a basketball perspective from these teams recently that's impressed you, struck you or whatever? And then this is the part where I put you on the spot is, are they on an even playing field right now? Is there a favorite? Is Vegas still ahead? Like where, where are we at here in the, as, as we approach the playoffs? You know, for me, I have been a little frustrated this season with the Liberty. Obviously I know that they have a, a brand new team, but I felt like I was really wondering mid-season, like, where are we? Like, because there are moments that you're losing to this team, but you're playing well against this team. I'm shocked that you lost this one. I had many moments this season where I, I felt like I, I saw a lack of energy, a lack of heart at moments. And I was just like, when are they going to gel? When are they going to click? And I feel like in the last like few weeks, I've really seen something different in them. And I feel like maybe they're just like, you know, the playoffs are approaching. Like, it's time. It's now or never. It's time that we we make it work. And I, I'm really proud of just the way that they've gelled. There's There was that narrative, remember, back in the first half when they couldn't hold these big leads, where every time they went up by 15 points, when is this going to go down to five? When And that went into the last game before the All-Star break, right? That game against Indiana that they needed to get to that Commissioner's Cup game where they're up big in the fourth and then they end up going to overtime and, and are able to pull it out, but it was a sweat. And I think that like, while a lot of rightly, a lot of attention has gone to this head to head with Vegas, it's the little things. Look at the second half of the back to back against the Mercury the next day when they have every excuse coming off of a loss, tired legs. And they came out in that first quarter, all the jump shots were short. And then in the second quarter, it was the Mercury who were shorthanded that were running up and down the court on them. And it's like, okay, this makes sense. Like it's last year, the Liberty had a great win over Vegas where Sabrina had that triple double. And then the very next day they they had to take a bus to Phoenix. Now they got a chartered flight this year and they lost to a, a team that I think had six players. Maybe it was like that bad for Phoenix last August. So, or last July, but in the first half, the Liberty don't win that game by 18 points or whatever that final was. So it, it's right. It's not just the rising your game to the level when you're playing the elite competition, but they are now winning those games they're supposed to by a margin that we would expect. So that just goes to say exactly what you were saying, right? That like they have, it feels like turned a corner. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely proud of them. I'm just, I was getting nervous. I was really getting nervous because I was like, you know, People had them in the finals and yes, I still do, but what what's going to happen? But I honestly, after seeing, I don't know, after seeing the way they've gelled and after seeing them in the commission commissioner's cup, I felt a little bit more confident to say, I feel like they're going to win the championship. Wow. Ooh. See, this is, this is what we're looking for. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I got to say like everyone, everyone who follows me knows that like, <laughs> I'm a huge Asia Wilson fan. I'm a huge Jackie Young fan. So it's no secret sometimes where my where my loyalties you know lay when I'm when I'm coming at it as a fan and not a journalist but I will say when I put the journalist cap on or even the podcasting hat for today like New York is starting to have that look of like oh now Marine is looking confident now she's like hitting threes and Kayla Thornton might just shout out to our first ever guest on this show she might be the most underrated player in the league like just such a huge part of what they do it's like oh Wait, New York not only has a, a dominant starting five, but now they've got like depth too, which is something that the Aces are clearly struggling with right now. Ooh, maybe maybe New York, maybe New York uh, could actually do this thing. Again, I think they're really coming together at the right time. I think timing is everything. So I'm cool that they had to go through some growing pains at the beginning. And again, they they're I mean, they're talented from number one to, you know, the last person. So they do have that bench, which I think is the difference maker um, and has been the difference maker. And um, yeah, that's, I feel like I can confidently say, I, I, I feel it's going to, it's going to be New York. Yes. I can't wait to revisit this soundbite at the end of the season when we put this together, when we had the Owen loud wrong soundbite that we put together 
Um, but yeah, it's this is a weird Freaky Friday situation we've got going on where it's Owen that can't stop talking about the Liberty. So I've got to bring us back on course for a minute. Uh, your passion for sports comes through in, in all of your work. So take us back to the beginning. What are your earliest memories just falling in love with, with sports? Oh, man. So I was the young girl who went to Catholic school. And every day at recess, I wore shorts underneath my Catholic school dress or skirt. So think about a little plaid plaid skirt or, or dress with literally shorts underneath, just so that I can play with the boys, you know? And some girls kind of made fun of me, which looking back wasn't really nice. Um, and they didn't say nice things to me, but I would play two-hand touch football, basketball, kickball. Um, yeah, I just, I always wanted to play something. I. I I, I was the girl who would ride my bike, you know, fall off my bike, get back on and keep going roller from rollerblading. I did everything as a kid. I swam. I did everything and I still like to do everything. So, um, yeah, I was the girl who played every sport growing up. Um, and I just, I, I've loved sports from the beginning and, um, yeah, I, yeah. That's, that's the most real Hooper thing ever. Is yeah. Like, like, basketball shorts under your, your school clothes. Like that. Is, oh yeah. I was yeah. ready. I was ready to play any day, any time, whether it was right after school when we had a few minutes in the, in the, the playing yard or during recess, I was playing something and I was coming back sweaty and gross. I didn't care. You know, I can relate. I had uh, I would always buy my jeans, like two waist sizes too large because I would always have shorts on underneath. So that, I was always ready to go at a moment's notice, whatever had to happen. That's real. And Jim, Jim, yep. Jim was my favorite class. Like Jim was my favorite, you know, part of the day because we got to play dodgeball, basketball. And I was just like, this is my favorite part of the school day, you know. And, you know, even now when I wake up every day, I'm like, I, it's almost like, am I still a kid? Because I'm just like, I can't wait to go outside and play something, whether I go to you know, go down the street and go to a park and shoot some hoops or go to the tennis court. Like I want to do something. I just, I'm a very active person. Like that's how I get my release in life. You know, I, I think sport is really good for your mental health. It's good for your health. Um, so I just, I don't know. I enjoy playing. They need to hang a banner for my ultimate Frisbee senior year of high school. So like I'm, when you say you play random sports in, in the city, <laughs> like, I get that. Like that's, that's like, that's how we came up. Um, but yeah, you're talking about some of the stuff you do now. Watching you play with Sunday Wash Club, shout out mid-range mommy. Um, watching you work on your golf swing, which is a skill I don't think I'm ever going to master. How do you now continue to fall in love with sports? Like you came up with it, but you know, working in sports now full time and just being around it all the time. Do you ever? Do you ever like need a break from from all that, or can you kind of? separate the the playing from the from the watching from the covering from the fandom oh yeah it's all very different for me um playing is very different than covering i would say and um you know for me particularly with a golf i never played it growing up um the boys after school would always go play with each other but i never went because i never wanted to ask my mom because my i grew up with a single mom so i just felt like that was an extra cost that i just wasn't going to ask her for so i'm basically being able to do things that i some some sports that i never got to try as a kid like i picked up tennis at 14 years old through my only through my boarding school like prior to that i never played tennis because again another cost hey mom rackets are kind of expensive i couldn't ask her but now i'm I'm getting to play sports that I loved as a kid, but getting to play sports that I also didn't have access to as a kid, you know? So it's like kind of both. So for me, um, it, it really means something for me to be able to, to play golf. I played at Jason Tatum's golf tournament a few weeks ago. He's a friend of mine. I was just like, hey, can I be there? You know, and he's like, absolutely, Grady, we'll make it work. No problem. But so I'm able to be in these spaces now that, you know, I, I kind of dreamed of. You know, I wanted to go out and play golf with the with the boys every every Tuesday when they would go, but I never I never could. But now I get to do that, you know. So it's kind of personal um, to to play these other sports and try new sports still. Um, but for me, it's it's as I said, a release. So it it feels in a way therapeutic for me because you know being in this industry can be a lot at times. Uh, sometimes I just go outside and bring my tennis racket and it's just me and I hit against one of those walls where it comes right back at you and 
man, it feels amazing to just do that after a day of work. Yeah, you're going to get to flex at your school reunions when you say you went and played golf at the at Jason Tatum's tournament after you couldn't play with them. Uh, but yeah, I used to play baseball on those handball courts too growing up because I had no one to play with. And I was like, so same experience. I can still relate to that. That's a, that's such an amazing full circle moment with Jason Tatum too. And as a, a podcast hosted by two Knicks fans here, I must mm-hmm. say that, that uh, the Celtics are just a little too likable in this era. Like, you can't possibly not like or root for Jason Tatum. It's just that's why like, they got Porzingis, though. That's why they went out to to bring that back down a little bit. <laughs> that was an alley oop for Miles right there. That was <laughs> but so so much of what we've talked about, uh, you know, involves your passion for sports and being able to meld that passion with your career and and your brilliance covering these sports and and making content in the media space. And so I'm curious, is this something that happened organically or like how did you ever envision that you were going to be able to make a job out of this and that that kind of journalism media side would mesh with the sports in a way where now you are doing everything that you do? I mean, growing up, I never saw anybody who looked like me really in the sport space. So I didn't really have anybody to look at, but also I didn't plan to do any of this. I studied international business in college. I had planned to live and work abroad. Literally, I didn't care to work in sport. Like, yes, I love sports, but it wasn't a thing. It wasn't something I even thought of until I was recruited to work at ESPN after college on the business side. So I spent my first three years actually working on the business side of sports. And then I realized you know, I'm in a cubicle. I feel like I need to do my, my job with my eyes closed. I want to be challenged. I want to be around people. I want to storytell. And so while I was doing my business job, I was writing for ESPNW and, uh, you know, not getting paid to do it, but getting reps in, you know, and it all just, it's so interesting because, you know, every journey is different. And my journey just, it, it, it looks a lot different than, you know, folks who went to journalism school. I didn't. So I had to learn. I had to, I've had to study people who I admire and just study, you know, how people craft stories. And I've had to do a lot of studying, you know, and I'm, I'm a learner. That's the thing. I, it doesn't hurt me to learn. I love to learn. Um, so again, I never anticipated doing anything like this. So I'm so happy that I'm here. I'm happy that I'm, this is the kind of work that I'm involved in, but you know, I can't say I was the little girl who thought I was going to do this. I, I never saw anybody doing it. And also with social media and how, we didn't have, like, we didn't really have, I had AOL Instant Messenger. That was my social media as a kid. We didn't have everything we have today from the Instagrams to the Twitter, you know, and everything else, TikTok. So I, I didn't dream, I didn't, I, I couldn't dream something like this. But looking back, I feel like I'm, I'm living, sometimes I feel like I'm living a dream because I, I, I actually enjoy what I do. I enjoy every day. I enjoy athlete storytelling. Um, I enjoy, you know, consulting brands on how they should storytell when I do, you know, and how to do it um, in a meaningful way, in an authentic way. Um, So honestly, didn't know that I could even do this as a kid. So it's it's been an incredible journey, but hasn't been easy. You know, I feel like on Instagram, we just see the highlights, really. Right. We see the highlights. But there's a lot of work that has gone into this, a lot of relationship building, um, a lot of tough evenings. But, you know, I haven't quit. You know, I was raised by a single mom. So, you know, I just, I'm a worker. I've worked since I was 14 years old. You know, I went to boarding school, which was, you know, a privilege. I got a, a scholarship to go to boarding school. But every time I came home for spring break, summer break, my mom was like, you're working. So I worked at our local grocery store at 14 years old. I've been working since I was 14. I had no choice, you know, so that's, it's in me to to persevere. It's in me to to work hard and and, you know, and dream big as I, as I continue on. So I'm just only, I'm, I've never stopped dreaming now that I am in the space that I love, I'm still dreaming. And I think that that's the beauty of this all. I love that. And it shows so much and comes through in your work. Yeah. Every day. Um, and, and, and Miles mentioned earlier how in relation to what you were just saying, you know, there's not one way to do this. And we're starting to see this more in media, more lanes open up. And, and I really would love to hear your perspective because we're at a, 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 an interesting kind of like pivotal point, it feels like, 
uh, in the relationship between WNBA media and the players, where, where to me, it feels like, you know, there has clearly been so much growth in the WNBA media space over the last handful of years. Yet at the same time, there also seems to be a bit of a stilted kind of tense relationship between players and media in certain spaces in this league. And I think personally, like one thing that we as journalists don't do enough of is kind of looking in the mirror and opening our ears, minds to, to feedback. So what do you think WNBA media can do better when it comes to building organic trust with players and, and kind of being open to, to constructive criticism? I mean, I think one one thing that I really like, especially about you two, is that you always show up. You know, you're, you guys are, are faces, you know, when it comes to media. You're two of the folks who I think of when I think of WNBA media. Um, so I think just, I think players need to know that you guys are here for real. But I think also players need to realize that a lot of us can't really make a living yet out of this. And some of us have to have other jobs. I have to have other jobs to to make up for what I don't make, you know, doing WNBA content. So I think it's it's a mix of of people of us understanding each other and our situations and, you know, there is that bit of a struggle on both sides, you know? And um I do I just I I do think we need to continue showing up for players and, you know, telling their stories and, you know, going going beyond the stats. You know, they are, there's so many stories. These are multifaceted um, athletes and people who have other interests too. And, you know, I think they appreciate when we tell full stories, when we can kind of incorporate, you know, everything. And I know that that takes time. That could be a series, um, you know, video or not. But I think that players, you, you have to gain trust with, with players. Um, and also I want to see more diversity when it comes to media. Um, and I think the WNBA, I feel like New York, um, you guys tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like it's getting better in New York. I feel like it is getting better. Um, but, you know, I want to say it was last year, two years ago, a star player was just like, there aren't enough of you. There aren't enough of us. Like, I want to tell my story and sometimes I want to go to you, you know, a woman of color. Sometimes I want to go to you, but I can't find you. So I'm going to bring you with me to this event. Like I, I had a, a star player say that and I was like, whoa, you see me. You see that I'm here. You know, I had no idea she even knew who I was, you know, but she did. So I think um, I would love to see more diversity. I want to see more black and brown women covering the league. Um, I want to see more of us telling our stories, um, but also realizing that you, you know, both of you do incredible work. I'm, I'm such fans of your work. And the, the difference between you and anybody else is like you both are invested. You both are so invested. And that comes across in your storytelling that comes across in in just the way you carry yourselves. So I've never had any issues with you guys, obviously. But, um, yeah, I think. Players want to tell their stories um, and want to be probably thought of as more than basketball players because they are. They want to probably have us tell their stories in the offseason, too, not just the, during the season. Like, let's cover them year round. But again, it's going to take investment because we can't always make a living out of this. Unfortunately, yes, someday we will. And I, I hope that we can in the near future. But a lot of folks that are covering the WNBA right now do not make a living more so than not, I would say. And I want to. I would love to see more investment from from media companies and companies in general, so that um, you know folks can have that opportunity to be fully invested. But I realize that sometimes that's not always. Um, it doesn't always make sense. So I, I I kind of feel everybody because again I'm a freelancer, so I feel it on my end because would I love to cover the WNBA full time or at some point did I want to? Sure, you know. But um, yeah, I just the league has, still has some growing to do, um, has some more diversifying to do on, you know, internally, externally, media wise and every in every single which way. Um, so it's just my thoughts on it. I really appreciate just the, the nuance and the care that you took in giving that answer and also the compliment that you paid to me and Owen in the middle of it. Uh, I don't know. I'll speak for him because I do that all the time now. But I know that we 
do try where we try to be aware of the privilege that we have as white men in this space. And there are times where, you know, that can only go so far where we are just the way that I always talk about it is that we can only empathize to a certain, to a certain point because it's not always our lived experiences. And I, I think that we would, you're, you're talking about how players sometimes want to be covered by people that look like them, the people that have shared those experiences and, and neither Owen nor I would ever take that personally. And, uh, and I think that that's really important to when it comes to storytelling, which I think is the crux of all of this, of all of what we do. Um, so really appreciate your kind words on that and just everything that you're doing in in telling those stories that we can't tell. But, it, you know, we do our best to be there so that we can cultivate those relationships also. And that, I think, does go a long way because players will be more comfortable if they see you at every practice that they see at the games but yeah none of us are doing this as our full-time jobs or i should say as our primary sources of income because we are all doing this as full-time jobs just maybe not getting getting paid like it um but when you talk about the freelancer the freelancing side something that i wanted to really talk about in this conversation is i love that your sister gabby who is a full-time lawyer is also your agent so when it's full time, when it when it's when it's freelancing, when it's booking opportunities and gigs, how does that sibling dynamic work at a professional level? Because it's such a cool, unique relationship. I just want to say, you know, at first when we decided that, you know, she would help me with every contract and, you know, be my lawyer because she's trained to do so. Uh, I was kind of like, should I not tell people? Cause are they going to take me less serious? And I had somebody say, lean into that. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to lean into it. And I realized that nobody's going to have my back. Like my sister, nobody, you can't tell me any agent would have my back. Like my sister, it, this is a business. This is a business. So, um, it's been incredible to work with her. You know, she is a corporate lawyer in Boston at one of the largest financial, um, institutions in the world. And she's brilliant. She's like, oh, my, you know, people think that she's my older sister, but she's actually my younger sister. So, you know, she's, uh, you know, we're cut from the same cloth. She's extremely hardworking. She's a very kind person and she's easy to work with. And, you know, she advises me all the time. And one thing that I appreciate about her is she cares about spreading knowledge. So she'll actually highlight a or redline a contract and say, hey, this is what this means, Grady, just so that you know, you know, so she wants to show me every part of the contract and actually explain it to me so that I know what I'm reading. Because some these, sometimes these contracts, they have different language that I've never seen. I don't know what this or that means. But again, just from seeing my sister's work, we've had companies say to her, thank you for reading the contract. And I'm like, what do you mean? They said, thank you for reading the contract. So what does that tell us? That there are agents out there who do not read their clients' contracts and say, hey, here you go. So I've had, um, so she's also advised a friend of mine who is a professional player um, on some of her contracts. And, you know, because her, the person that she had before didn't really read the contract. And my sister's like, this is actually what it says. So again, nobody has had my back like my sister. And um, I'm very blessed that she wants to work with me <laughs> more than anything. I'm blessed. I'm the blessed one. But um, I know that she she does it because she cares about me. And I got to hang out with you both at Chicago All-Star last year, which I think was her first All-Star game. It was my All-Star, my first All-Star game, but I think it was hers too. And I just remember at the time uh, that you just said, how much you love being able to share that experience with her. Uh, and that kind of stuck with me. So as we've talked about over the last almost 50 minutes now, you've done so many awesome things in this space. Where does that rank among it all? Just being able to Ooh, share an experience like that. Definitely a top, a top experience because um, my sister was my point guard in, in high school at boarding school. So we, we played our entire lives growing up. Um, I, I was a shooting guard. She was a point guard. I always say that she has definitely more handle than me. We argue about who has the better, sh like, shot. I think I do. Um, I think hers is more of a push shot because she's smaller, but I just think my shot is cuter than hers. But uh, so we, we still argue about that. My sister could beat me one-on-one. -on -one. She, I don't know. She just has that quick handle. I'm like, oh, 
where is she? You know, but um, that was definitely one of my top experiences. And as I continue to grow, I care about um, sharing these experiences with the people that I care about, the people that have helped me along the way. Because again, this is not all for me. And I don't do this for me. I, I do this because I want to tell athletes stories um, and I want to amplify I want to amplify the league and, and any league that I, that I care about, you know, and, and sport and, you know, how important it is to, to be a part of it in any which way. And so for me, uh, yeah, any, any t- I've, I've been able to bring my best friend to a game, a partner to a game, you know, and those moments are, are huge for me because um, I wasn't able to do them five years ago, but here I am now and I'm only continuing to grow more and, as long as I can continue to share these moments with people that I care about, especially, um, you know, that's, that's my goal, you know, and uh, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of cool experiences from seeing the the mystics win in 2019. I was there. That was really cool. All-star this year was nuts. You know, it just, there, I just had so many incredible experiences and even from just, especially the people that I've been able to meet along the way, I've always been a big believer in that the good people find you. So even, all three of the folks that I talked to, uh, the three season ticket holders that I talked about in that slam magazine, inc- ugh, incredible people, you know, and it's the people that I've met through sport, people that I've met through the WNBA that have been, um, been incredible to me and are folks that I consider ones that will be in my life for a very long time. So I'm just, I, I mean, the best part is the people. The best part of all these experiences is always for me going to be the people that I've met from the players to, to new friends and new family. Well, I don't think we're going to find a better place to dismount this interview than that. Um, that really brought it all home. Grady, where can people find your work? Where, the, where can they find you and tap in and become one of those new friends that you interact with? Because as from personal experience, I could say that Grady is a person that you want to have in your life. So where can everyone find you? So... <laughs> If not in person, you could find me on every social media from TikTok to Instagram to Twitter at Grady Diaz. Very lucky to have just at Grady Diaz on everything, which is nice. Um, and honestly, like I, I'm really big on communication. So I hope that everybody who's you know listening to this podcast, like know that you can DM me. I'm, I'm all about information sharing and, and helping in whatever way that I can. Um, so please DM me if you like want to know anything or have any questions because I get them all the time. But, and I really do try to answer every DM that I get, every email that I get. So yeah, if, if I'm not at a game, you can catch me on online, but at game, if you see me at a game, please, please call my name out and I will go up to you. I'll talk to you. Like I'm, I'm very, I'm very friendly and everybody knows that. And I take time um, and make time for, for everyone. As someone who is anxious with every conversation I have to have in public, that's what I aspire to, um, because it comes through. It, it's you're genuine and you're you're kind, and the world would be a better place if we had, you know, a, a thousand more of you. So thank you, thank you so much, Grady, for coming on, for pulling up with us, um, and yeah, I'll see you next week at the next Liberty game. Thank you, and go Liberty. <laughs> <laughs>